Whoa there, big fella. Let's join up with this lonely cowboy as he brings in the payroll in Third Flatiron's podcast of Connie V. Hill Platt's new sci-fi western story, Night on the High Plains. No telling what we'll see out there. Currently living in Ohio, Connie grew up in the high desert of southern Colorado, a lonely, desolate place full of scary, creaky sounds. She's been published in Range Magazine and Fate Magazine, among others. For more, visit cowboyshowcase.com, go to stories, and scroll down to Portrait of a Cowboy. Our thanks to Connie for this highly entertaining story, which first appeared in the anthology Galileo's Theme Park. For more from Third Flatiron, check out our website at thirdflatiron.com and subscribe to our feed. You can support our podcasts at patreon.com slash thirdflatiron. And now, here's Night on the High Desert, read by Keeley Root. Night on the High Desert by Connie Vigil Platt There have always been strange lights to be seen in the midnight sky of the high desert. Maybe it is the altitude or the clear air. The old folks said it was St. Elmo's fire. Usually, that is phenomena seen on the ocean. The desert has been considered to be like the ocean by some people, but perhaps that is why the covered wagons were called prairie schooners. The blazing hot sun beats down relentlessly on the milling cattle and riders in the desolate wasteland. Dust swirls around horses and on the men, blocking out the bright cobalt sky. In 1890, October is the time for hard-working cowboys to ride long and hard to get the herd to market. October is the time for ghosts and goblins to ride the night sky if you're prone to believe in such things. Tori Dawson had long ago outgrown ghost stories and things that go bump in the night. Goblins were used to scare little children into being good or going to bed. What kind of twisted parenting is that? October is also the time when certain planets are aligned with the Earth, the time when it is easiest for space travel. This is the time of year when a portal may open wide enough to allow travel between these planets. Martians are well aware of this phenomenon and use it to their advantage. Since it was time to round up cattle, it was the best time to amass specimens for scientific study. The Martians like to collect large animals such as cattle and horses for experiments. Naturally, the best place to do this gathering is the western states, where there are huge herds of cattle and few people to observe a spaceship landing. If you should look at the night sky in the west, you might see that some stars appear to be closer together and nearer the earth than others. At times, you might even see what seem to be two moons sailing in tandem across the otherwise clear sky. After a hard day of work, Tori Dawson was too tired to look at the sky. Jacob Pickens, the head foreman of the giant Diamond R cattle ranch, 
and sent Tori to pick up the payroll for the ranch hands. The herd was sold, the fall work was over, and it was time to pay off the men. Some would stay for the winter, but most would head for warmer climates. The Diamond R was owned by a group of Easterners who seldom visited the remote region. When they did come, they usually brought their women with them. One of the owners had a daughter who came when she was not in some expensive boarding school. Dawson thought that was one attractive woman, a waist so small she could have used a hat band for a belt, hair black as a moonless night, caressing her shoulders and reaching her tiny waist, emerald green eyes watching him as he went about his duties. With cherry red lips that smiled at him every time he turned towards her, she was a cowboy's dream, one that he could see in the smoke of lonely campfires, a fantasy for the long winter nights in a remote line shack. It might be fun to see if that little black-haired filly was as serious as she acted. Tory had been a cowboy most of his life. When he was twelve or thereabout, he left home for greener pastures, or for a better life than was to be found on his parents' poor dirt farm. All they had were debts and hopes for rain. The only thing they could give him was the ability to work hard and to appreciate having a paying job. Tory had worked himself up from horse wrangler to being straw boss, or second foreman. Tory could fork a bronc as good as any and better than most. His loop always hit the mark when he roped an animal. He could take care of himself in a barroom brawl or dance a reel with the prettiest girl. He was an all-round cowboy and handsome enough to make the ladies' hearts flutter. Men wanted to be like him, and women wanted to be with him. He was a bit of a gambler, but then anybody who makes his living off the land is a gambler. It doesn't take bright lights to make a bet. Tory went to the bank to deposit the money for the sale of the cattle and to get cash to pay off the men. While he waited for the ranch's payroll to be prepared, he spent his time in the saloon, gambling and drinking. By the time the bank clerk came to tell him the payroll was ready, he had won a Fraser saddle and a Stetson hat from cowboys from another ranch. He gave the losers his old saddle and hat to go home. Between the drinking and winning at cards, he was giddy, heady with joy. He had a good horse, a fine saddle, and a nearly new hat. He was riding an outstanding lineback buckskin horse he called Chico, which was Spanish for little one. Life was good. Now it was to the ranch, away from town and bright lights, across some of the most desolate wasteland this side of Purgatory. The local people called it the Malapis, or Badlands, partially because of the unusual twisted rock formations, and partly because it was considered to be a place where outlaws could hide from the law. Some honest citizens avoided it even in the daytime, but it was the shortest route back to the ranch. The hot, dry wind moaned its usual dirge, whipping small branches and tumbleweeds before the horse and rider, as if it was trying to stay ahead, and then twisting off in another direction. In the distance he could hear the roll of thunder and the flash of lightning stabbing holes in the dark clouds. The red ball of the sun sank into the horizon as he left town. 
If Tori had looked up, he might have seen a star that was a little brighter, a little closer, and moving faster than the other stars in the sky. A star that could even be considered to be following him. It would never have occurred to him to consider a spaceship. Tori was used to being alone and rather liked it most of the time. Today, however, he was proud of himself and would have liked to have a friend to talk to and tell about his good fortune. He smiled to himself, thinking about the black-haired girl of his dreams. He could see her in wisps of fog or in the clouds of the setting sun. Still, he wished he had more company than his horse. He needed someone to talk to, not a dream. When he was ten miles out of town, he heard a soft clip-clop behind him, the echo of another horse on the rocks. A wave of terror washed over him as he remembered he had all the money for the other cowboys. He slowed his horse. The moon came out from behind a cloud, now shining almost bright as noon. The clip-clop behind him slowed also. The moon disappeared again, throwing shadows over the landscape. A twisted cedar tree became a hold-up man. A cactus turned into a growling coyote. Every rock was a disguise for an outlaw. Tori was not afraid, he told himself. But everyone knew when he left the saloon, and that he was carrying quite a lot in his saddlebags. There were also the two unhappy cowboys that had played cards with him. Out of the corner of his eye, he could see a shadow keeping pace. He kicked Chico into a trot. The rider behind him speeded up. He felt as if a hand closed around his throat. It was too far to the ranch. For all he knew, there were more riders ahead. There was no way to outrun the Shadow Rider. The only thing to do was to face him right here. If there was a showdown, well, so be it. Tori had always been able to take care of himself. He was a good shot with his handgun, and he could take care of himself in a barroom brawl, though he was confident that he would be the winner in a fair fight. He turned his horse to confront the rider. There was no one inside. He had vanished into the night. Out of the corner of his eye, Tori saw another rider. He was right. There was more than one. Who's there? Tori called. Show your face. No reverberation disturbed the night air. Tori had heard of men finding cattle that had been killed and mutilated. Whoever did the act then left the carcass to rot. The blood appeared to be sucked out. Sometimes vital organs were missing, but there was never any sign of what killed them. No one had been able to find any indication of who had done these terrible killings. There were never any tracks or signs of human or known animal. Thinking about it made Tori edgy. The wind blew cold, icy fingers lightly brushing his cheek. He heard only the howl of a lonesome coyote. Tori nervously sat on his horse, trying to look in all directions at once. He dropped his hand to his hip. His fingers caressed the bolt of his Colt 4440 single-action revolver. His horse trembled under him, sidestepping and prancing, jittery, getting hard to hold still, sensing his master's excitement. Tori pulled severely on the reins, trying to calm the animal. Beads of cold sweat popped out on his forehead. He reached up to brush them out of his eyes. Something touched his hand. An owl screeched in warning. He felt the faint swish of wings behind him. His head whipped around. He touched something lying against his cheek. His fingers pulled the string away from the rim of his new hat, leaving him holding the edge of the brim in his hand. He held it up before his eyes, staring at the thread still attached to the material of the brim. 
As realization washed over him, he began to laugh. Just a small chuckle at first, then a real gut-busting laugh. Imagine, of all people, me, Tori Dawson, spooked by a thread off his own hat. I should have looked it over better before I agreed to the bet. He spoke aloud, bathing in the sound of his own voice. Chico's ears twitched at the noise, laughter still floating in the night air. Tori drew his pistol and shot in the air to let off tension. The sound echoed against the rocks, bouncing back at him. Come on, Chico, let's go. He patted the neck of his lineback buckskin horse. He touched the horse lightly with his spurs. Together they moved forward. He relaxed as he rode. By the time he had traveled several more miles, he could make fun of himself. He had been a little too cocky, had a little too much to drink, and a little too much imagination. He sang trail songs to steady his nerves as he rode. It always calmed the herd, so it should calm him, too, like a boy whistling in the graveyard. The night became dark, quiet, no glowing eyes, no evil flutter of bat wings. About seven miles from the ranch sat an old abandoned school building that nobody used anymore for anything but a landmark. When he first saw the outline of the bell tower, it was apparent he had gone out of his way. He realized where he was now, even if he couldn't figure out how he'd got lost on the trail and gone the long way around. As he got closer, it looked like someone was having a party. There were lights dimly shimmering, faintly off-white, the indistinct strains of music, shadows swaying in the windows. Hey, Chico, this is what we need. We'll just stop a while, have a few dances with some pretty girls before we go on our way. I wonder who's having a party, though. I would have never believed that building was in good enough condition for a party. Oh, well. Come on, Chico, let's have a good time. As he rode closer, clouds covered the moon. In the dimmer light, the music seemed to get louder. Piano, violins, guitars, banjos, and an instrument he couldn't recognize. A high voice sang lyrics in a language he couldn't understand. The tune carried on the breeze was not one familiar to him, and the beat seemed a little harsh for dancing. That didn't bother him. He would be able to pick up the tempo. Most horsemen had natural rhythm learned from long hours in the saddle. Gentle laughter rippled through the air. He could see horses and buggies tied up in front. Although he didn't recognize any of them, he knew he would be welcome. The code of the West was to welcome everybody, even strangers. Invited or not, he would be accepted, no questions asked. It was rude to ask where he'd come from. He turned in the saddle to make sure the saddlebags were full of money and secure before he dismounted. When he turned back and faced the building again, the music was gone. No lights, no laughter. The horses and buggies were gone. All that was left was a tumble-down building with vacant windows staring like empty eye sockets. He shook his head. The moon came back out, showing only the sagging roof and gaping open doorway of the abandoned building. Tori turned his horse, visibly shaking. As he rode away, he heard music, the hint of girlish giggles. He looked back at the building and again saw the horses tied at the hitching rail, heard the dance music. Tori dug in his spurs and galloped away. Behind him, little humanoid creatures with a greenish glow surrounding them stumbled out of the doorway, holding long neck bottles and chucking foolishly at the prank they played on the cowboy. Come on, one called in a high-pitched voice, giggling girlishly. 
If we don't leave now, we'll miss our ride. We have all the samples we need for this trip. If we keep breathing this strange atmosphere, we'll be so inebriated we won't be able to get on the ship. One with a deeper voice agreed. I thought he was cute. I wanted to take him with us, pouted the third Martian as she climbed aboard the ship. We'll have some stories to tell around the break room when we get back this time, the leader said. The sky burst with a flood of light as a saucer-shaped object floated across the horizon. Green glowing faces looked out of the portholes, watching the cowboy ride away at full gallop. Tori, in a hurry to get back to the ranch, didn't look around or look up at the sky. And he never saw the spaceship as it glided across the night sky. Thanks for listening to this podcast from thirdflatiron.com. Original music by Disco Volante. Sound production was by Andrew Cairns. 